I think a lot of young people want instant money. When you work for yourself, which often stylists are self-employed, you just have to push the boathouse. Welcome to Ask the Pros Business Show, where we have conversations with entrepreneurs and people in business about their business journey, providing our listening community with a variety of strategies that can help grow their businesses. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Ask the Pros Business, where we bring business owners and entrepreneurs onto the show. Come on the show to share their journey and their story. And on this particular episode, I've got Debbie here. Debbie is in the hairdressing business, guys, and she has been doing this for years. And she's also trying to bring her daughter into the business as well. And from our previous conversation, you know, through social media, the daughter is doing a very great job, business side of things. And Debbie on the show always start from the beginning, which means telling us how the journey started for you as a hairdresser, you know. And I know, I know you have an amazing story to share with us. For those that are going to business, business owners as well, you know, looking to learn new tips, you know, how you've grown your business and the things you've done differently from when you started to now, you know, just tell us, you know, a bit of what has changed so far. So Debbie, without saying much, you know, you know, let's know a bit about you. Yeah. Hi, my name's Debbie. I've had my hairdressing business now for 15 years. I started in 1978 when I left school. I didn't even have a week off. I started my apprenticeship straight away. I worked for Michael for 28 years. And when he retired, I bought the business off him. Um, So I already had my clients in the shop where I worked that I bought. So I didn't have to grow my own business. It was younger stylists that have had to grow it for themselves, really. Um, So I've had that business for 15 years now. And um, there's been a lot of ups and downs with staff. Um, I find staff is hard to keep because once people grow their clientele, they often go on their own. And I wish them lots of luck in that. but then you've always got the security of the shop. Um, my younger daughter, Olivia, started her apprenticeship with me four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Um, she did a three years. She did a, up to a level three. And she's brought new ideas. She's a true inspiration to the business because I'm busy with my existing clientele. I don't actually do. Uh, a lot of new customers. Um, I've had mine for about 20, 30, 40 years, some of mine. <laughs> wow, nice, nice, nice. But I would honestly say I think it's really it's really hard work, uh, mentally, physically, financially it can be, but you should always put the clients first. I always go out my way. If somebody's going on holiday and we're closed, on that day, I will go in and do the hair for them. Um, if they want a lace appointment, not so much now at my age, but I encourage Olivia, she can come home, have a tea, and she'll go back to the shop. Um, for people who are working and can only make that time, or it might be a time for for somebody to look after the children so that women can come and get the hair done. So I think more than anything, it's very much a personal service and you just have to make yourself available at all times. Yeah. Um, I love my job. I love my clients. Most of my clients, 99.9% are amazing. 
there's about half a percent that you roll your eyes off. <laughs> but I have 32 weeklies. I have 32 people who come in every week at the same time and have done for a long, long time. And they're your bread and butter. You know, you can always guarantee they spend money. They have colours. They have perms. Um, but Olivia coming through is a younger generation again, um, much younger, um, I might add. Um, and she's full of fantastic ideas. She's very savvy on social media, Instagram, Facebook, even done the odd TikTok. And I find Instagram has been the main stay for Olivia getting her her clients in, advertising on local pages in the area. And you only have to do one and that one can grow to five, you know, if they're happy with the hair. Okay, nice. That'd be nice story. Nice journey as well. And um, you starting from the bottom to say, like starting, you know, with your, with your manager, um, the person you're working with, then you now bought the store, you know, which is, I can say that's kind of like a hard thing to do or difficult thing to do because you, you don't really know where to take this business. But for you, what gave you the courage, you know, the mindset to, to tell yourself, do you know what? I think it's time for me to buy this business over and I want to run this business. Why did you make that decision? I was petrified. I was 46 years old and I was I bought the property as well. I wasn't confident. It was my accountant actually that said buy the property. I was really nervous about doing that because I was older and because I'd worked with Michael who owned the business previously. Since I left school, I worked for him and he was the most fantastic boss uh, he was amazing. He was kind. He, as kind as he was to me, I was to him. You don't always get that. We had a good employer-employee um, relationship. relationship. Although as a stylist, I was self-employed, rented chair. And I was really, really nervous. I was worried financially. Well, and I changed the name as well. I was worried in case that had an impact. It didn't. Uh, I chose the name. It's all my children's initials, um, Halo and Co. I've got Heidi, Angus and Olivia and my surname's Lowell's, which is the L in the Halo. So, okay. but I was nervous, but it sort of went smoothly. What I totally admire these young people today, these young hairdressers who go to the bank, get a massive loan and open their own business. I was very fortunate that I carried a business on that I bought the business off him when he retired. A lot of the young ones now think they're so brave. Yeah, Debbie, when you're buying that business, when you made up your mind to buy the business, you know, your accountant advised you to do that. You didn't know anything about the bookkeeping side of things as well, because businesses, you are the hairstylist, but, you know, did you also know the other part of the business in terms of bookkeeping and other um, things concerning the business? No, didn't have a clue. It wasn't as hard as I thought because I'm not really an academic or computer savvy as I would have liked to have been, but I've learned. But I had a very good accountant actually. Expensive. I've still got the same accountants. It was it's I've got an expensive accountant, but I know everything's done right. I used to do the VAT myself. Mm -hmm. It's quite easy, really. It's just filling in columns, you know, you just put stuff in columns. And I think as time goes on, I started off being doing it in a way that was more difficult for myself and then I sort of found ways around which made things easier and I always done my totals at the end of the week I didn't do them particularly I'd have to do them every day but you just add them up at the end of the week and it wasn't as difficult as I thought because 
If you pay by card, now everything's by card. So it's all on your bank statements. So no, I didn't. I thought I'd find it hard, but I didn't in the end. You know, once I got into, you get yourself into a bit of a routine. And um, it was fine. It's been fine ever since. You can guarantee when it all goes to the accountants, I get it wrong somewhere because I hate doing it. (laughs) But I I just basically do a spreadsheet and give it to them. But yeah, it was better than I thought but I was very very careful and I paid myself minimum I've noticed in that say the past 10 years young stylists opening a salon they go out and buy themselves a brand new car you know I've never done anything like that and I've never borrowed to improve the shop I've always saved up for it but I think that's a bit of an age thing we're just a little bit more careful as we get older I think for me that's a good strategy because you don't want to have a lot of debts you know in terms of running the business you don't want to owe a lot of money and you're not making that much. You, now you're looking to looking at yourself, okay, how do I pay this money back in terms of loans or your financing? Like you probably get loans to finance the business. You know, like you said uh, yeah. a couple of minutes ago, younger generations, they tend to get loans and start a business. You want to start big, you know, instead of starting as little, you know, like for me, I think it's all about baby starting like, you know, baby steps, you know, you start little, then you grow the business, you know. Well, one of the um, difficulties or challenges you, you spoke about a couple of minutes ago was when people come to work for you, once they are well off, you know, they tend to go. In terms of minimizing that problem to say or challenge to say, you know, how have you managed to overcome that issue in terms of people coming, learning the craft and leaving? How have you managed to minimize that? At the moment, I've gone from where there was four or five stylists to me and my daughter now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say when one's left, and sometimes you, you're left with more customers, more clients, and I've just stayed later. I've just done it myself. I've just stayed 7, 8 o'clock at night. Even at my age, I'll just do it because I'm doing it for myself. As Olivia's qualified and come through, I've slowly sort of pushed them and said, I can't do it, but Olivia can do it, and they've stayed with us. So, you know, I've been lucky that I've had my daughter there really, because I've had, since lockdown, I've had two stylists leave. But financially, on the business, it hasn't had an effect because Olivia's done a lot. Even though they've took clients with them, she's brought new ones in. So I'm in a really lucky place at the moment. But I'm on a hairdressing site. We're all stylists. And a lot of salons are really struggling for staff because they're all leaving or going on to do other jobs even not necessarily hairdressing. I think what it is, is hairdressing's not instant financially. I think 10 years, that's when you'll start earning your wage. It's like um, any trade, really, electricians, joiners, even young doctors. You know, it takes them years to earn a decent wage. You have to start and you have to build your customer base up. And I think a lot of young people want instant money. When you work for yourself, which often stylists are self-employed, you just have to push the boathouse, work your day off, work evenings. But sometimes I find a lot of girls that go into hairdressing aren't that passionate. They seem to do it. And then after a couple of years, give it up. That's quite common these days. So I think good hairdressers are a bit of a dying trade at the moment. Yeah, maybe they see that as a fashionable thing at that time. Yeah, or they leave school and they're pushed into it from the job centre. Well, they've got an apprenticeship, not 
I'm okay. so grateful. My daughter is very passionate about her job. Absolutely loves it. You know, her, her social skills with customers is really good. But then I suppose she's learned that from me. I haven't had um, an apprentice since I've had the business. I have never had an apprentice. I have shampooists. I have three ladies who work part-time. Even though the wage is three times more than an apprentice, I know they're going to turn up. So I un- it's hard for hairdressers these days because you can't get good apprentices and you can't get... I'm not saying all salons don't have good apprentices because I'm sure there's plenty out there. But a lot of them are going down that route now where they they get more mature women into shampoo because they're more reliable and they're glad to do it because minimum wage is good. Yeah. So bottom line, one of the things I'm thinking from this conversation is that, you know, you have to have the passion first. You, when you have the passion, you have the right mindset as well, you know, in order yes. for you to stay in the business. It's also attitude towards customers, you know, um, you get a new face that comes in and it's like, this is a, a new customer. And for each customer, you could get two, three, four, five. They bring more in. You just have to go out your way. I've worked with stylists who go, no, I'm fully booked. And just, no, I can't do that. Oh, no, I'm not in then. No, I'm off that morning. And it's like, they just won't go out the way for new people. Uh, where our salon, even when, before I bought it off my boss, he was like that. So it's what I know. And I'm like that with my daughter. She sees me doing it. You know, I'm 59 years old and I will do somebody's hair late. I try and avoid it, but sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's all about going that extra mile, you know. Always going the extra mile. I love my job. And I think the young kids today who are opening the salons are very brave because there's always someone trying to undercut you and, you know, and you've got overheads to pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, um, I just think they're really brave. There's a lot of talented hairdressers out there today with all these new techniques and colours to do. You see them on Instagram, but I think Instagram is one of the main things. The young ones, clients that come into Olivia said, I, I saw all your, um, all your photographs, all your previous work on Instagram, and I was really impressed understanding what the client wants you can't please everybody all of the time yeah absolutely. you know you're not god it's it's just they think you are sometimes <laughs> and i'm sure we get plenty you, you get a few in that you think they won't come back because they've been awkward olivia steers me out the way if there's an awkward customer because i can be quite blunt sometimes <laughs> And I'm sure a lot of hairdressers will agree with me on that one. But before Olivia coming into the scene, you know, now helping the business, you know, social media wise, you know, how are you getting your customers? You know, like um, people telling the next person, say, oh, I've been to Debbie's salon. She does a great job. I think you should go there. Or do you do flyers or local advertising newspapers and church magazines and stuff like that? Well, we sort of have done for Olivia. But at the end of the day, I don't do big advertising. I think we did one in the local magazine, the Heswell magazine. And I think we got one, two, and it was 200 quid for the advert. But we got two and they've come back. So what was the return of the investment in terms of spending that 200 pounds? How much did that get you? Probably a hundred. Was it two colours? Yeah, probably 200 quid. Okay. We probably got our money back. Okay. Because they've been in a few times. 
So we probably got our money back. A lot of the, what's good today is because of all these new colours and everything, the parents are spending money on their children's hair. It's a different generation of parents. <laughs> probably got a few bob. No. Uh, it's about 80 to 100 pounds with Olivia. If they went to the bigger city salons, you're talking probably for the same job, 120, 140. Um, so a younger stylist always on cuts, undercuts a senior stylist anyway. But hairdressing is commission-based as well. You know, you're paid by the hour, then you're paid a commission at the end of the week. But I, I would say most people who are pleased with the hair usually bring two or three customers in after that you know if they come back their friends come in and sometimes people we know particularly from our hobby in the equestrian industry we do one and then someone else will come in and we seem to know people but they didn't know it was us and it's just word of mouth and it's your work really is it's like an artist isn't it that's a nice painting where'd you get that from you know and and that's how it goes really but the parents have noticed these days are spent are willing to spend money to get their children's hair, their teenagers' hair nice. And they're Olivia's main source of income really is is that generation from teenagers upwards. Okay, okay, well, that's good. But looking at things you've done, you know, in the initial stage of the business, you know, starting the business, you know, would you say you would have done something differently in terms of looking back now, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently in terms of improving the business? I would probably have took more apprenticeships on. Hopefully out of that, I'd have, I'd have an older stylist now with the passion because I think the young ones bring new ideas in. Uh, they learn new things that my age, different when I was at college learning. We did a lot of in-house training when we were young. So that's what I would do differently. Um, I'd also, if I took a rent-a-chair, not so much a rent-a-chair, but if I I used to take them on percentage, on a 50-50 percentage, I would write a contract. Uh, that's what I would do differently. So I got noticed that they were leaving. But being self-employed, they can just walk. Contract means nothing. It would mean something if they went two doors away, where you put a thing in, you can't go two miles. But that as nobody has ever gone within the two miles for me that's left. <laughs> They've left for different circumstances. One last year left because her daughter had mental health problems. Another one left because she just couldn't get the clients in. Even if we booked them in, they just didn't seem to come back. So I was a little bit, she only did 16 hours. But I would say Olivia's been amazing, really, bringing new customers in, new ideas. But that's what I would change is maybe more apprenticeships. There just might be just one good one. <laughs> but would you say that? Because from what you're saying, you know, and I know that Olivia, she's doing a great job, an amazing job. You know, she's, she's bringing the customers in. But would you say that because they see her face, which is the face they see and the face they want to kind of like walk with, would you say that's one of the things that brings them back as well? Yeah. She's a very happy person, is Olivia. But I am in work. I am. I'm always full of fun and and I do a lot of older ladies. And don't forget, they might be old in the body, but they're not old in the mind. And some of them, you know, they become embarrassed that they have a stick and stuff like that. And I know that sounds a little bit old fashioned and that sort of thing, but I'm talking like that. 
but I'll just say something like, have you been on the vodka? You know, (laughs) (laughs) and it makes them laugh. I think laughter, you know, there's a lot of misery going on and, and I think jokey things and, and just have fun and make people feel comfortable when they're there. Some people don't like fuss. I've got clients that don't particularly like fuss. I did do a lady's hair before she moved away for like 25 years. I couldn't even tell you if she's got any children. She was a lawyer and she just used to sit with a laptop. And I just done her hair for 25 years and hardly had a conversation because she didn't want one. And I'm like, I know that because like I've tried having a conversation with her and uh, it didn't go in. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the friendliness I'd, I'd also say don't go mad with your fixtures and fittings when you open a shop because I've seen girl, things happen and your business, you know, just do it very basic but very bright, not too much expense spent. You can always start adding stuff as you go along and just keep to the basics and always use good brands as well, you know, because often people, they know everything's on the internet. And I think if you use good brands, uh, well, a L'Oreal Redkin, you know, um, they're familiar with that. Yeah. We always use good brands. We've got our own brand of shampoo as well, which is compared to Olaplex. Yeah, um, that's, yeah that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to ask as well, asking about the product. Because, you know, for me, I think like going to the salon, you know, to have a cut, you know, to have your hair done, you know, I think it's, it's a personal thing. So do most of your customers, do they bring their own products or use your own products to make no. their hair? We use our own products most of the time, unless somebody has a scalp problem and they've got prescription shampoo off the doctor. But we use our own products and the customers are happy with it and they buy our product well. Not everybody, but um, we sell shampoo and conditioner for coloured hair. We've tried it on normal hair and it's it doesn't really do anything for normal hair. It's mainly for coloured hair. Uh, we've done a, quite a lot of research in lockdown, well, Olivia did. And we got samples and we chose them out the samples and we have our name put on the bottle and she's done gift packs for Christmas. Um, we don't make a massive profit. It pays for itself plus a bit of profit, you know, and that's worked well. Everybody likes it. Everybody's pleased with it. So we've it's been going for about a year, almost a year, I would say now, year at Christmas. Yeah, I think from what you're saying, right? Yeah, um, Debbie, um, having your own products because I've, I've spoken to a lot of business owners, you know, I think one of the things I probably picked from these people is that in the long run, you know, they have a business, but they try and have their own products, you know, within that business as well. They produce their own products within that business because if you look at the likes of Tesco and Sainsbury's, those big shops, uh, big stores, right? They, they sell other products, but if you see they have their own brand as well. So having your own brand, your own personal brand within your products, you know, I think that's the thing that moves businesses as well. Yeah, it's just a little bit extra and it just bumps your profit margin up a bit. You know, that's what I found. I think I sold five in a couple of hours the other day and they can buy them online as well. Oh, you know, a website where you can buy them and the vegan. We didn't plan for them to be vegan, but we liked the product and then found out they were vegan. So it's attractive. That's the in thing at the moment, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of vegans, vegetarians around and they like those sort of products. And um, we found, you know, people who are vegan have took a great interest in buying them as well. 
because a lot of shampoos, you know, they're tested on animals. These aren't tested on animals. So, um, you know, there's no animal cruelty gone on in the making of them. And we didn't go down that road purposely. They just sent us different samples of different shampoos and conditioners. And we just liked this one. We weren't aware until we phoned the supplier up. And it's easier than what you think, getting your own shampoo. You know, you choose your own bottle. You choose your own font that you want the writing in. And um, they come, we've got gift bags. Olivia's done packages for Christmas, just put a detangler brush in with them, wrap them up, put black and silver bows on them, everything. And it's just doing extra little things like that. It might only be a couple of quid, but if you sell 10, it could be 20 pounds, you know, profit. But um, yeah, and we're going to look, maybe look into maybe doing hair mousse and hair gel from the same, the suppliers are fantastic. Okay, that's good. In terms of um, staying the business, you know, in terms of when there was COVID, because your business is a one-to-one business, isn't it? You know, it's very personal as well. So how did you manage to go through that period? Because I know that period was difficult for business owners as well. Oh, I loved it. I loved having three months off. Are you serious? You weren't bothered about the business, the business going on there, or you you ain't getting customers? No, because the government gave us all money. Oh, yeah, that's true. There was this pandemic uh, money going on around. Yeah, that's true for businesses. We got loads of money and all the staff were furloughed. So, no. <laughs> and I loved having three months off. I've had three babies, never had three months off with any of them. Wow. I've gone, gone back to work when they were six weeks old and got on with me part time when they were babies. Mm-hmm. Until he went to school, I just did three days. But, um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I watched Netflix all day. Um, <laughs> uh, my business, but I have a friend who has a salon in London, just outside London in Welling Garden City. And she struggled more because her rents are bigger. Mine's a fixed mortgage, you see. So I think the ones down south maybe suffered, but I don't think the ones up north did. And I think if you do everything above board, you've got a good accountant. Um, you know, you have to give your tax numbers in and all that. Everybody got it as far as I know. I don't know anybody that didn't who had a salon and everybody was getting the salons done up with the money. <laughs> so the government looked after us really well. So no, it wasn't. Okay, that's great. You know, um, Debbie, if uh, a young girl comes to meet you and so Debbie, I like what you do. I like your business. She's doing well. You know, I, I love the hair, the business. And I also got the passion as well. Do this, you know. What would your advice be to this young girl or young person that want to go into this business as you're doing as well? Just be sensible. Don't spend loads of money on equipment. Invest in good products. Have good social skills with your customers. Be flexible. Be available. That says it all, really. Most people who start a salon will have existing customers. They wouldn't just start it up with no customers. So, Everybody will try a new salon as well. And you just have to make them feel welcome and just be yourself. If you're passionate, your success will come. But it could be hard to begin with. It's when I finished my apprenticeship, I work in a town called Heswell. I don't know if you know Heswell. And it's quite a bit upmarket town. And there were quite a few stylists in the shop. And you just had to just do your best and be yourself and 
encourage people do get even get your friends in give your friends half price hair send them off to the jobs and tell them to come into the salon you know that sort of thing I think a lot of people struggle make sure it's in a place where it's going to attract people where there's people on on foot passing um that's what will be my advice really just be sensible don't go mad but use good products Wow, that's great, man. Like that. I think um, we've spoken about, you know, being relatable, you know, having that good relationship as well. You know, but for you, what makes you stand out? You know, like when someone's listening to this and you want them to come to your salon to get their head done, what is that thing that makes you stand out? You know, because I, I know Olivia is kind of like the key to this as well. She's done a lot for the business, you know, and, and yeah. you, you said that, you know, but what are the other things that makes you stand out so that people would say, oh, she's different, you know, she does things you know, in a different way that, that we like, you know, what is that one thing that you say to that? Hey, I feel comfortable coming in this salon, make them feel at home, make them feel comfortable, smile, just, it's the atmosphere when they walk through the door that people feel. We've had people come in and say, God, it's so lovely and relaxing here, make it relaxing. If they have to wait, offer them a cup of coffee. It's whoever meets and greets you when you walk through the door in a new salon, isn't it? And all our staff, because I'm like that, they're like that. You set an example to your employees, you know, offer them different things. You know, I have people who have a lot of money. Most of my clients are particularly comfortable and they spend good money. I've got clients who aren't so comfortable and I'll do a colour for them and I'll throw a few foils in and I don't charge them for it either. So I don't have a set price really. Don't have a set price on colours either because sometimes something can take longer than it usually does. So price should be on consultation and not on a, that's just a guide. A price list should just be a guide and to print that on it, this is just a guide. But just do your best. Go to the local primary school and give out flyers in the playground and that sort of thing. As you say, church magazines are good. I know a few people who've used church magazines because it's they almost trust you because you're in your church magazine. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Great. Well, if you are given the chance to choose something else, you know, to go into instead of the hairdressing business, what would that thing be? I wanted to be an air hostess, but I'm five foot one. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter now, but when I left school, you had to be taller. You know, I've wanted to be a hairdresser since I was at primary school. Um, if I could choose something else, work with troubled children, probably, maybe, then I, I would probably... I'd take them all home with me, probably. I'm quite compassionate like that. I get upset. I've got, I'm a big supporter of children's charities. Maybe do some work. I don't know. I can't think of a job I'd like to do, to be honest. Yeah, but you've mentioned a few and those are great things as well. But if you were to, let's say, choose between, okay, do you want to um, go into the hair product full-time to have your own brand you know is this something that you'd be willing to do um no, i'm not a good salesperson i funnily enough i think i could work in a hotel on a hotel reception but i'm not a good salesperson olivia is a better salesperson than me i will sell products i believe in or i think that must be one of the hardest jobs ever is to sell a product I don't know. I think Olivia might go into it, but I can't see myself being a salesperson. Good, good, good. But um, I just talk rubbish all day. <laughs> well, listen to your journey and your story. You know how you started hair business, how you go into hair business. You bought the business from your from your boss then, and now growing the business to where it is right now with with Olivia. If I ask you, you know, what does success mean to you? You know, what would you say to that? You know, being successful in business. I feel that proud of myself actually. 
I work really, really hard still. And I think people think I've started to take a little bit of a back seat though lately, trying to slow down a little bit. But, you know, if a favourite client comes in and wants to fit in, and I always fit them in anyway. I feel really proud. But there's been a lot of ups and downs. And I think staff mainly has been the most difficult is dealing with staff. And not my employed staff, my self-employed staff, but they're not my staff because they're self-employed. Yeah. My staff, and each one's been with me 25 years, someone else 10 years, someone else the other girl um, five years. So I always keep my employed staff. It's the self-employed staff. They go on, they go mobile, or they open up in the garden shed. But I feel really proud of myself because there's times when I've thought, how am I going to get through this month? But I've done it. Don't know how, but I've done it. I've just pushed the boat out, worked longer. I hate cutting children's hair. Someone's coming for a child's cut and I'll fit it in. And then the mother will come in. We all, hairdressers hate cutting kids' hair. <laughs> Why is that, if I may ask? Why is that? They don't keep still. They take, <laughs> take twice as long and, and the parent wants it half price. <laughs> it takes longer to cut a child's hair than it does an adult's hair. Mm. But if, if you just make that sacrifice to yourself and do it, it could bring in the grandmother or the mother or the aunt. You know, um, that's what you have to think about. You have to swallow your pride sometimes. But um, I can't believe I've achieved what I have, actually. No, we're not a multi-million pound company or anything like that, but it's afforded me a good lifestyle. I know what it's like not to have it because I've been on my own with two children and going to the supermarket and you've got 20 quid to feed you for the rest of the week. So I, I do know what it's like. Um, I earn a decent wage for a woman of my age. I haven't always, you know, when I, when I took the business over, because obviously you've got these big things hanging over, this big mortgage hanging over your head. I just took very little. I, just, I only ever paid myself what I needed. And that was probably for two years. I, I just kept it in, you know, putting it back in the business, back in the business all the time. Yeah, I, f- I feel quite proud of myself, really. Sometimes I look back and think, how have I done that? That's very commendable that you've you've come through this whole you know time and you're still doing a great job an amazing job you know and your daughter is helping you do that as well you know well moving forward you know what would you if i ask you debbie five years from now you know where would you want this business to be you know would you still be um in the business or would you want olivia to take things fully you know over well, what is the long-term plan yeah for you? i don't aspire to retire <laughs> Because I'd end up with grandchildren. Um, I don't aspire to retire. I aspire to do less. Uh, I don't think that's going to be possible, maybe in five years. But um, I just want to do less, you know, maybe three days or a couple of half days and let Olivia move it forward, take on another apprenticeship apprentice in a couple of years. And she can help train them. They can go to college and train in the shop as well. And I can sit on the desk and just answer the phone. I'm too much of an interferer. So I'd I'd like to see another passionate apprentice. They'd have to be passionate, but some of them just come in and they've got no social skills. We have them from school sometimes. You um, You know, they do like a couple of days from school, two weeks or something. And uh, they want to go early or they come in late and you think, God, hope there's never another war because you wouldn't survive. They, they just some 
kids are just not disciplined, are they, in like being on time. I remember a few years ago, Michael had two apprentices similar age and we were quite busy. There was four or five stylists and one said, I've done six shampoos and she's only done four. You know, it's that sort of attitude, really. I think the kids today, though, Olivia's generation, I'm going back now probably 15 years ago, but I think Olivia's generation are more appreciative than that middle generation who are probably in their 30s now. I think they're a little bit more passionate. I feel sad for the kids who don't get the training in the salon because it's hands-on. You can only learn by having the people in. So yeah, I would like another apprentice really in the future. I think for me, I think it's also good when you learn from people that are doing the job, you know, someone that has done something before that is doing it will, will be able to teach you, okay, this is how you do it, you know, sort of like having a mentor as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, because Olivia is my daughter, I can be harder on her, but it's it's constructive criticism. Absolutely. You haven't got a parent phoning up saying, you upset my daughter today. We've had that in the past. I've got no, I'm not very good at teaching really, because it's all, you've got to have a lot of common sense when you're um, hairdressing. I've just had a, a young girl um, who we know through the horses that helped us at lockdown because we did a lot of late nights and we were really, really busy. And she's a really, really clever student. She's an A-star student. She was 17 at the time and she was absolutely brilliant, junior. And the parents are both doctors. They wanted to be a doctor and she'd make a good hairdresser, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she she want to be a doctor. I think that's the thing we were talking about passion as well. You know, when you're passionate about something, you know, and there's something you want to do and your parents are telling you to do something else, like Speaking from my own point of view, because I'm from originally from Africa, Nigeria, then back home, your parents will want you to be either a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, they, they force those things on you, but you, you yeah. want to do something else? I support a charity in Nigeria. Okay, good. A bloke in Lancaster uh, runs a charity for which children? What's his name? Forgot his name now. He married a nurse. Yeah, it's been going for years. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um and often it's from, you're obviously from a middle-class family out there. You know, you have to be a doctor. There's about five professions you can do. Doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer. What's the other one? A banker or something. But yeah, yeah. And that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. But um, is this what you do, is it? Yeah, so for me, speaking about passion, you know, so I've got my nine to five job, you know, I'm a project planner, so like project management, construction industry. So for me, speaking to, uh, because doing this as well is running my business as well. So speaking to business owners, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, it's kind of like a passion for me because I'm not, I don't like you coming on the show. I don't charge to do this, you know, I don't charge for all the publicity or you know ads and things like that you know for me it's just a passion for now and i can just do this all along you know and just have this because i just love the fact that you know okay i'm able to speak to people around the world passion wise i have that have that already so when, when it comes to oh do you want to think about making money from this monetizing you know that might probably come later but right now it's a passion for me and i've been doing it for like over three years now yeah you, know. you like you say you like talking yes <laughs> You have to have that fondness of people. People interest me. I want to know where they're from, where they went to school, what you do. 
but without being personal and nosy, you know. Um, it's all about having that conversation as well, because um, I don't tend to like right now we just have it for me. We are having a conversation. You know, it's nothing yeah. like uh, a very pressing interview, but within the conversation. We are giving answers to people that want to go into business. Someone that listening to this and say, oh, I want to get into a hairdressing. You know, what did Debbie say regarding getting staff, skipping staff and, you know, keeping, having that relationship as well, being very smiling, you know, being welcoming as well. You know, what did she say about all that? You know, so people will listen to this and probably take a thing or two from me, you know, which is great, you know. And I believe that, you know, I'm kind of like looking at my career, how going to being a project planner. You know, it was a difficult part for me. So I'm also using this kind of like give back as well, giving back to people that yeah. they are very, very keen on going into business. Do you want to be a hairdresser? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that, Debbie. You're very good men hairdressers, you know. Oh, my boss was, he was a bloke and he wasn't gay either. You see, they're very good men hairdressers. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But they're too slow. Men are too slow. <laughs> I've worked with a lot. Blokes and they've all been good hairdressers. They're, they're slow. They can't work and talk at the same time. I think women multitask more than men. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Poor Michael. Honestly, he was so popular with the old days, you know, you know, the posh ladies of Caldy and Heswell. And he was so popular, but they loved how a man doing the hair, the old days. And but he was ever so slow. You know, if you're in a rush, you didn't go to Michael. <laughs> You know, he was he was a really good hairdresser, he was. But there were a lot of men hairdressers in the 60s and 70s, you know, got Vidal Sassoon and what um it's Vidal Sassoon created what we call now the wedge, which is is similar to a bob but a different take on it. And um it's never gone out of fashion, that sort of hairstyle. But the best Trevor Sorby. Well, it was Trevor Sorby, and you got Vidal Sassoon, haven't you? And then you got John Frieda, Andrew Collins, Peter Collins. They're all like, they're still doing it now. They never retire, you know, hairdressers. Not totally retire from the industry. If you've got that passion, um, Olivia trained with a salon. He's got a salon in Manchester, Liverpool, and Hesville, and Birkenhead as well. And she trained with Andrew Collins. And he's still very much involved. I've been to a few things with her over the last few years, and he's mid-60s now, and he's still very much involved with the business. And he doesn't need to be because he's quite big, and he's a big educational provider for hairdressing as well. I sometimes think maybe I could teach, but then I don't know. I think I just my tongue would slip a little bit. I think you need to be back to teach. Yeah, 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 Debbie. It's been a great conversation. You know, I've also learned a lot as well. You know, learned a lot of how you're growing your business and these strategies as well. They, they kind of like you. You can also apply them to other businesses as well because I think it's all about you know knowing what works and how to navigate as well. But if you were to leave someone from this interview, you know, leave them with something to take away from this interview, what would that thing be in terms of you know strategy going into business or give them one or two advices as well? You know, in in terms of starting their own businesses, you know, what would that thing be? Just be sensible and budget budget for your outlay and just be passionate about what you do and your success will come. It might be slow at first, but it will come. If you're passionate enough about what you do, you yourself, that, that just speaks for everything. And be good at what you do and be open to learning, not set, thinking that you know everything because we learn every day. 
whatever job you do. Yeah, every day is a school day. Don't go out and buy a BMW or a Range Rover. Keep uh, putting money, keep putting it in the business. Budget yourself. First two years, pay yourself the least you need. And that would be it, really. But love what you do and success will always come. Yeah. It's been nice having you on the show, Debbie. You know, I must say, you know, nice conversation. And I'm grateful as well for giving me your time, you know, and I know that we, we rescheduled, you know, but things happen sometimes. We were still willing to come on the show, which is great. You know, I really appreciate the fact that you're you welcome. Know, you, yeah, to make make it, you know, and I'm grateful as well. And uh, say hi to Olivia. And I know we mentioned Olivia's name like two million times on this show, you know, and is she there to say hello? Olivia. <laughs> well, she, I think she should do one because she's a very good talker, like her mother. I, I, I was, I was going to say that as well. I was going to say if I'm going to do a next one to you. <laughs> hello, hi, hi, hi. Yeah, nice. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You. Yeah, I'm good. I was, I was just telling your mom that we've mentioned your name like a million times on this show. So I think it's high time we'll bring you on the show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, how's business been? How, because she said a lot of good things about you, social media, you've grown the business, you've done some lovely, great things to the business, you know, and, you know, and I'm really yeah. proud of that as well. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, just look forward to the future, really. And, um, hope things i'm sure there'll be ups and downs but i'm sure you know it'll be a learning curve you know right. nice good, sure. good 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 hopefully one day i'll have you on the show as well oh yeah. god yeah. yeah she'll be booking you in next year <laughs> you know, nice. i just want mom to do it now now we've got the time to do it now um i'm not we haven't got our horse and stuff like that we've got more time to put into the business really and kind of like branch out a little bit more and let people like be known about the business and everything really so olivia's yeah. a good talker you know kaz very good talker <laughs> no worries no worries i'll get that olivia we have to book one then me and you we'll have to yeah. book one then yeah yeah that'd be yeah. good yeah that'd, that'd be good be... my side of things well thank you <laughs> yes. very much for nice yeah. nice debbie nice speaking to you okay yeah you take care Okay then, Debbie, nice, good. So that's it, Debbie, nice one, yeah. It was a great conversation, like that, man, really like that. You know, I know, Olivia, nice meeting you and I was still going to meet you again anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, Debbie, speak soon, yeah, thanks. Yeah, bye. Yeah, bye.